He's a former goalkeeper coach at Swansea, Sunderland, Bristol Rovers. Like I said, now he works with the English FA, bringing along some of the best goalkeepers for the next generation. Please welcome Adrian Tucker. So there, Mark Hughes is on the floor, pretending to be a bus. bus. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my God, what am yeah. I seeing you? Yeah. I've had uh, Andy Lonergan on the phone in the last couple of days, singing your praises. It was my school teacher. I uh, uh, actually brought my leg in a, in a pupils v, um, v teachers game. Phone rang and I picked up the phone. Back in the day, it was in the mobile, yeah, and, you yeah. know, so you couldn't see it was ringing. The one you, phone in your hallway. The, the house phone rang. Yeah. And picked it up and it was actually Paul Compton no way my first goalkeeper really at Swansea was Doris De Vries so we have you know a lot a lot of top top individuals and a lot a lot of top coaches out there now that are you know are working constantly on the on the cold face with the um with the with the young goalkeepers of the future within the England pathway with people like you in the background helping them and crafting them and guiding them in the right direction I feel like the the England goalkeeper future is in, in very safe hands what a save from Mark Howard. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard. I am delighted to have today's guest in. I'm going to pick his brains a lot about the world of coaching and, and his role with the English FA. He's a former goalkeeper coach at Swansea, Sunderland, Bristol Rovers. Like I said, now he works with the English FA, work, bringing along some of the best goalkeepers for the next generation. Please welcome Adrian Tucker. How you doing, mate? Yeah, fine, Mark. Thanks very much for inviting me along. No, thank you very much for coming in. Uh, obviously, we've been chatting already behind uh, the scenes and that. Some of uh, your knowledge about the world of coaching and about how you deliver your message, I can't wait to find out a bit more and, and obviously educate some of our listeners and stuff. Obviously, being a goalie coach, uh, as you have for uh, such a long time, you, you've worked through a lot of different levels and a lot of different standard of goalies, especially from like youth up until first team. There must be a, a huge difference between how you coach. Yeah, um, coaching has changed, you know, dramatically. I, I think over the last sort of, I've been in it now twenty five years. I think it was twenty six years, um, and certainly my coaching has changed you know, over that period of time as well. And you know, there's more and more opportunities to to be involved with obviously the outfield coaches now nowadays. Um, we were probably known as goalkeeper coaches that would just work one to one with their goalkeepers in. In any bit of grass that you could probably find, but I think we've uh, we've certainly de developed more respect over over the number of years going through, and uh, certainly have more input now within the um, the environment, um, especially when you you know with heads coaches, assistant coaches, and 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 so on, and and all the other workforce that you have there, you know, strength and conditioning coaches, and and so on as well, analysis department. So it's, it's massively changed over the time than uh, than just being yourself with uh, with a goalkeeper on the, on the grass. Yeah, we used to be that. Obviously, goalkeepers are renowned for being the weird ones that go and train furthest away, and they, they're out there for the longest. We go out first, and we come in last. Uh, but yeah, like you said, goalkeeping's changed, and now you see all goalkeeper coaches now on a, on the the side of a pitch doing the set pieces, doing the tactics. And do you think it's just because we've got a different perspective of the game? We've always looked at football from opposite ends. Um, I, th I think there's been more respect for the goalkeeper coaches now that you know we we are a, we're a professional. Uh, um, em employment source now, I suppose, if you can look at it that way, you know, with the qualifications that we have to go through and so on. And um, and I, I, f I firmly believe the knowledge that the goalkeeper coaches are gaining now s supports them in that, um, in the real world environment, you know, in, on, that, on that pitch. Um, and like I said, um, I think we get more respect from managers and, and, and coaches alike. Um, and, and they have further trust in, in what we do. Um, I also think that. You know, in, in some cases, you know, um, 
there are not so many roles available to to support like the set plays and so on, and uh, they may be just pushed to us a little bit. But mm. I think a lot of goalkeeper coaches are more than happy to take them that responsibility on and uh, and be given the challenge of of not just working with the goalkeeper and you know working with the the outfield players as I said earlier on in relation to defensive units and 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 trying to defend your goal in the best way possible and you know set plays are as are as important as as that as well so yeah definitely that, even like doing the set plays and stuff that's also looking after your department in a sense because you want the defenders to do the job to their best of their abilities to look after your goalie yeah 100% yeah we we're all after that clean sheet whether yeah. it's uh, whether it's you as a goalkeeper or um, or your defenders as well so yeah you know, as a as a goalkeeper coach as well, I think that's important that you have the uh, responsibility to help and support that and uh, and communicate that as a unit, as you just said. Yeah, right. Uh, before we do a couple of quick fire questions, can you uh, summarise your role with the English FA at the moment? Yeah, uh, I'm one of the national goalkeeper coaches there. Um, so really, we work along the um, the age groups from 15s up to uh, to the under 21s, uh, which uh, which Tim Dipma looks after. Uh, obviously, Marge looks after the the senior sort of element there. Um, but we work across the age groups there. So my main role this year has been with the under-19s from the national teams. Um, but I've been away with the 16s this year, been away with the um, with the 18s uh, and, and the 15s as well. Like So so it's been a busy period of time across the board there. Um, one other aspect that I, that I do as well is sort of lead on the coach education element. So, you know, the goalkeeper coaches that come in through the system and then within the system, I try to support them best we can. But... Also within the department is there's four of us full time and we, we look into talent ID um, across the PDP and YDP phases as well, um, as well as many other sort of aspects and um, and so on. Yeah, right. I can't wait to pick your brains on all of the, the coaching style stuff and obviously the the upcoming goalkeepers for the next generation. Right. We'll, we'll do a couple of quick fire ones as kick off. Uh, catch or parry? Catch is best. Uh, Favourite goalkeeper kit colour? Ooh. That's the old old school green. Yeah, that's my favourite too. It's got to be a goalie green, isn't it? Oh, definitely. It has definitely. to be, right. Play out from the back or kick it long? Um, I like the play out from the back now. Yeah. The Sec- game's changed, yeah. doesn't it? But that's secondary. You've got to, you've got to keep it out the back of the net first. Exactly, right. <laughs> Who's your favourite ever goalkeeper? Oh, it's got to be Neville Southall. Big Nev, has to be. Big Nev, yeah. Yeah, Big it has Nev. to be. Um, long sleeve shirts or goal, uh, short sleeve goalie shirts? Oh, long sleeve. Yeah, you're old school, yeah, I like it. <laughs> Don't mind it. With the, uh, with the padding on the elbows as well. Oh, <laughs> oh, remember those kits? They used to weigh a ton as oh, well, yeah. didn't they? Definitely, definitely. This is going back in time yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, I'm still, I wore those kits as well. So, <laughs> uh, Who's the best goalkeeper in the world right now? That's a toughie. It's always tough a toughie, that one. I'd always go for someone like Neuer. I think yep. he's consistent in everything he does, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Neuer's one of my favourites as well. Uh, right, head tennis or two-touch? I'm pretty good at both of them, I'd like to <laughs> yeah, say, nice. so, so I don't mind. So especially with the youngsters as well. I, I, bet I, generally, you beat them up, I generally beat them. They're a little bit naive, one or two of them, but uh, I like a game of head tennis. Yeah, good head tennis. What's your forfeits for two-touch? Not ear flicks here. Um, I'd struggle there. Yeah, we've got to be careful of what we can do with, oh, the, yeah, with, course, the, yeah. with the kids as well, yeah. under 18s and so on. So, uh, yeah, I just turn a, I just turn my back and they do yeah. their own. Yeah, yeah. We do um we do impressions now. So like we were say an animal or a vehicle yeah. or we, we used to play I remember and this goes back years, I was in Aberystwyth and the first time I played two touch and without name dropping Mark Hughes and Mark Bowen. Myself, Mark Hughes, Mark Bowen. And we played two touch on a on a university playing field. And he said, Right, what we're we gonna do, we're gonna play three letter words. So he's come out with bus yeah. first or something like that. 
So Mark Hughes actually lost BUS, and he was the Welsh manager at the time. <laughs> so there Mark Hughes is on the floor, pretending to be a bus. bus. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my God, what am I seeing here? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've, I've kept that one in my locker oh, since nice. as well, yeah, so I don't yeah. mind playing that no, That's a good one. Right, and then last one. Uh, it's the last minute of the game. Would you rather your goalie save a penalty or score a goal to win? Or save a penalty. Yeah, just pure goalie. Yeah. Is that because you've also got a bit of the background? You've done your homework and you've looked at their penalty takers? Or yeah. do you just think it's just that's a goalie thing? Yeah, right? I think as a, as a, if it was my goalkeeper, I'd like to think you, you know, you, you've done your... Your research yeah. on them and your, your little bit of homework, as you said. So, you know, if they can uh, if they can make a, a producer save when you know all that homework comes to the forefront, yeah, that'd be that'd be great in the last minute. I like it. Right, uh, let's go back to you then as a person and uh, how you got into goalkeeping. When when did you remember putting on the gloves first? Yeah, I, I remember being taken by my mum up to um, to Harris Boys Club. That's in the right up in the valleys. Um, yeah, walking up there one day because um, I was in school and. My my group of friends and they, they they still remain my group of friends um, back at, back at home. Um, they were a year younger, a year older than me. Sorry, at, yeah. at school, and they needed a goalkeeper because um, their goalkeeper had broken their arm and broken his arm. So I thought I'd go along, and before I knew it, I was in the indoor boys club and balls were flying up me, and I was trying to get in a wave. Yeah. i making a couple of saves, and there was a coach there, Steve Reese, at the time. He said, "Oh, you, you can play in goal Saturday," and I, I actually remember it. Pontlot in a way, yeah. um, drew two all. That was my first um, first taste. First of. taste of goalkeeping, and I actually stayed playing a year um, above myself. Like, oh, I was a year younger uh, of the age group. Uh, yeah, and for my uh, for my uh, younger days as a as a goalkeeper, then well, that is uh, the story for so many people. Of like, uh, there was no one else that would go and goal, or someone got injured and you volunteered. But then you just get the bug, don't you? Oh, and hundred percent. And I remember it really, really well. Like, you know, so many things I probably forget. The, that happened yesterday, but yeah. I can remember that uh, moment playing in goal, and yeah, yeah, you know, it wasn't great being a, a young goalkeeper. At the t you know, when, you know, in the early days, yeah. you know, you concede a few goals, you, you know, and, and and that type of thing, and you come home. But we tried to recreate that sort of environment last week. Ironically, when we had a little goalkeeper camp with it with the FA, you know, and we said we want just said to the, the the boys that were in there, we just want you to be nine year old goalkeepers. I remember back to them them days when you was a young nine year old goalkeeper. And, you know, they they sometimes forget that, and you know they were they were great times, hundred percent. Yeah, that, I honestly think that's the most important thing is that you remember where you came from, yeah. and uh, I I still love on a muddy day to just dive in the muddiest <clears throat> puddle I can, just crack on. I feel like that's just who we are as a goalie. That yeah. that's why we started doing it because we were the ones that like getting hurt a bit more, and we like getting dirty. Uh, we like to wind our parents up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was always on the always on the local field having a, having a kick about with your mates and all that. And like yeah. I said. It, it's great now, you know that them boys. Uh, I first met with with football when I was eight years old from from school. You know, That's brilliant. Nice. We uh, we stay in touch and yeah. you know we we always uh, meet up regular for a beer and and that type of thing yeah. as well. So uh, coming through then, obviously uh, in the valleys in Wales, was uh, opportunities of getting goalie coaching limited? Yeah, I I I don't think I really had a goalkeeper coach. To be fair, I I, I can't remember the first one first one I had. Um, probably not until I was about fifteen or sixteen. Probably when I was involved with the, the Welsh youth sort yeah. of setup. So, um, you know, goalkeeping coaching is is probably you know thirty years. You know, really. Yeah. So you know that was probably the time when it first started when I was around that sort of age group in in that sort of environment. But I think when I played in the you know the the Welsh schoolboy environment, I'd done the fifteens victory shield sort of thing. 
Um, I can't remember having a goalkeeper coach solely that's, that's that came in with me. It's amazing to see how far that's come, though, yeah, in, in like you say, the last 30 years, yeah. that you, you was playing in the Victory Shield with no coaching. Yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. Compared to like now, there's obviously the goalkeepers that would be playing in the Victory Shield for oh, any of the countries would have had coaching from six, seven years old. Yeah, 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 that's how it was. Probably at the time, my, you know, my, my probably coach at the time was my, was my dad who... Used to take me down the field and just kick loads of balls at, yeah. at the end. You just had to try and get in the way of it. So, yeah. uh, so yeah, it goes. Uh, yeah. Mine was exactly the same. I've had plenty of arguments down the park with my dad and left yeah. in tears. Yeah. But it was all for the for the better good. Yeah, doing the best. Yeah. Uh, so from then, obviously, uh, you end up signing for Torquay. How did that all come about? Yeah, um, as it was, you know, I I, I was. Um, I was uh, a half decent goalkeeper, I'd say, you know, back in the back well, in the day. Considering you had no coaching, no, 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 <laughs> no. no. Um, I was never, I was never big enough to be a goalkeeper in, at the end of the day. But um, I actually broke my leg. Um, it was my school teacher uh, actually broke my leg in a in a pupils v um, v teachers game actually before the victory shield in a, in a December um, back in 1991, I think it was I was convinced I never grew after that. I was literally five foot ten and a half, five foot eleven at the, at the time, and I never grew any more after that. So whether that had anything to do with it, I don't know. That's but crazy. Um, where does blame as a claim? Though? Yeah, well, I, I think I would have been a millionaire. <laughs> I think, if I had I done, think but, you would have done. Uh, no, uh, Mr. Jilson, if you're listening, yeah, if <laughs> yeah. you remember back then. But uh, yeah, uh, that was an unfortunate accident, and uh, yeah, um, got myself um, involved um, at, at the time, um, and then. Sort of worked my way through um, through the sort of system at the time. Uh, went through a couple of trials. I was at Manchester City as a uh, as a schoolboy. Used to travel back and forth there. Um, journey, that, yeah, it? up on the train with a with a with a couple of people at the time. Um, I really really enjoyed that because I'm a massive City fan as well. Like and I've been since since 1981, the cup final and all that. So not a recent one. Like, yeah. So I can be. I've gone in. The, yeah, you're not the a glory ups, hunter. The, the, the ups and downs of that. Yeah. Um, and they didn't take me on as a, a as an apprentice. Um, I had the opportunity um, to go down to Torquay. Paul Compton was the um, youth team coach at the time. Um, uh, Neil Warnock was a manager at the time down there, and I actually went down there in a March after being half released by Man City to say, you know, you can go out to yeah. a couple of places. Um, I remember playing in a um, reserve team game. Went down there for a couple of days. Um, I was still only 15, 16 at the time, I think. Um, went down, done well in the first couple of days. They were playing Cheltenham away in the, in the old reserve league. Chucked me in on a Tuesday night uh, and got myself sent off oh, no after, about, uh, after about an hour. Oh. Um, but I How, thought that, that was what it. What was the red car for? Uh, if I remember rightly, the ball came back to me. I picked it up. Someone came in, you know, one of the old, the old pros come in, tried to nudge me over because I was a young 15-year-old and I actually just swiped out and kicked, <laughs> kicked back at him a little bit petulant. like. But yeah, uh, yeah got a three-game uh, ban from there. Couldn't play for my club side until Torquay played three games or this, no, that and the other, no. I think it was. Um, but um, they actually invited me back then for for the April and done well again. And they were, they were down the bottom of the league, if I remember rightly. And I remember Paul Compton saying, are you going to sign? And I wasn't quite sure because Torquay were on the bottom line. I think I said something like, you know, if you stay in the if you stay in the league, I'll I'll sign. Um, and I remember it to the remember it to the day. It was about ten, it was ten to five on a on a Saturday afternoon, and and the phone rang. Uh, Torquay had won the game to stay up on that that last game of the season, 
and the phone rang and I hadn't picked up the phone. Back in the day, it was in the mobile, yeah, you know, yeah. so you couldn't see who was ringing. The one you, phone in your hallway. The, the house phone yeah. rang, picked it up. And it was actually Paul Compton. No way. Um, and he said, are you going to sign for us now? And I, I, yeah, yeah, 100%. That's amazing and from it, him. And 100%. And Paul is still a um, coach uh, a coach and a, a scout now at the moment. I bump into him still and actually ironically lives in South Wales now. Mm. So I see him quite regularly on, on the on the front. And, you know, I was you know, much appreciated to, to Paul. But, you know, in relation to the story, you know, I, Talkie had just survived at, at, at the time in the in the league, and you know the first thing he done was pick up the phone to me as a young sixteen year old. Would you sign? And, and I did, and stayed down there for three and a half years, um, and really, really enjoyed it. It, it was the first year, um, first year I'd done as an apprentice. Second year was the first year where you can have a goalkeeper on the bench, um, and they actually released a goalkeeper called Matthew Lowe, um, and Ashley Bays signed. Yeah. Uh, Bays Owes are still a good mate of mine yeah. now. Um, and Bezo was the number one, and I was the number two to Bezo. A little bit of a cheap option, if, I, if I'm <laughs> honest, you know, than a, great, than a pro. Great for, for you to develop, anyway. Brilliant. I was on the bench every week, you know, playing all the sort of reserve reserve team games and yeah. so on, and, and on the bench, supporting, uh, supporting Ash as well. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so that was really, really good. And, you know, in the football world, yeah, I got released after, after I think, two years of, of doing that, um, which was unfortunate, but that was the way of football at the time. And, yeah, moved on. Uh, I read that you had a, a bad shoulder injury as well during that time. Yeah, um, dislocated my shoulder. Um, I remember that. <laughs> this is where my memory comes into play a little bit. Yeah, anytime you uh, hurt, you remember it. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played um, we played Wimbledon and um, in a youth team game at um, at Playmore, and um, actually it was Carl Carl Court and Jason Neal played up front for Wimbledon at the time in in the in the youth team. And if I remember rightly, it was Jason Neal came sliding in as I came sliding out, and he just caught my caught my shoulder yeah. as I've come in, and just took it out, and yeah, dislocated it. And the physio at the time, bless him, passed away now. Norman Meadows was actually the England physio at the time, uh, England senior physio, yeah. and yeah, dislocated it, um, and uh, yeah, had the had an operation on it because I think they say it was like a, if I remember rightly, an eighty percent chance of it reoccurring. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you dislocate your shoulder. Yeah. Um, I let me get this right. I didn't have that operation straight away, but I was told the eighty percent. Thought we'd get back and try and get it done. Yep. Um, and I think after I'd come back from Tokyo, I think eighteen months later, I'd done it again, playing in the Welsh Premier League. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, had the operation then, and yeah, quickly realised that yeah, this might not be for me. So then, like, I'm gonna fast track this a little bit, but see, like, uh, going from getting released off uh, Torquay to going back to Wales and playing in the, the Welsh Premier League and having that setback of an injury was it like at those sort of moments you thought about going into coaching or was it you you already had this pathway in your head no when I came back to when I came back to Wales I quickly realized um playing the Welsh Premier League that was still part-time at the time and yep. a number of the clubs are still part-time but most of them have gone full-time in recent years Mark um but I was sort of training on a Tuesday and a Thursday and just playing on a Saturday and I, I quickly realized I ain't going to be able to do this for the rest of my life you know, I need to do something, you know, quite quickly. And one of the players who was, you know, in our team, um, which was managed by George Wood, um, with, with, uh, with George, um, was a guy called Frank Nettle, and he was working in the local university. Uh, and he said, well, do you fancy coming on a course with a sports science or something like that, that type of thing. So uh, I actually got involved in coach, uh, got involved with Frank um, on that course. Then a foundation year, and then a three-year degree, so yep. in your in in university for that period, 
Um, but I was playing with some old pros in the in that league. Uh, Mark Azerwood was in there. Um, Terry Boyle, um, you know that will you know Cardiff Swansea yeah, legends yeah. at the at the time. Yeah. Um, and they they had a company called Pro Camp, um, which they were all professionals. Uh, that then the the fun camps. Yeah, all of the soccer um, camps. And, yeah, and, yeah, and during the summer soccer, holidays yeah. and stuff and we like got that. involved there. Myself and my good mate Richie Richie Williams, uh, we got involved with with that. Um, and it went on from there. To yeah. be honest, done my you know football leaders at the time and my C license, and you know started really enjoying it. And you could link that in with football, university, and so on. And it was a nice little uh, little blend at the time. Yeah, obviously, uh, we, you must have been finding that rewarding at the time that you had uh, been taken under your wing by a few of the experienced pros, and they were kind of nurturing you into this sort of a role. And then doing your your degree and doing your coaching badges, it must have just felt like a, a natural transition for yeah. obviously life after football, whenever that would have been. Yeah. Uh, and, but you was transitioning early. Yeah, 100%. They, they were great people. And again, people like, you know, Terry Boyle, George was still in contact with now, you know, and they, they were the ones that got me into football and, and, and into coaching and yeah. supported me at, at the tough in the, in the tough times. Um, but yeah, you know, I, again, when I was in university, the FAW, you know, the Football Association of Wales started off the, their, um, their technical department, which was the Football Association of Wales Trust, um, and they were when in Wales. You got the twenty-two local authorities, yep. and each local authority had football development officer. Uh, and I had a phone call. Would I like to be the development officer in uh, Merthyr Tydfil, which was my um, my neck of the woods? So yep. jumped at the chance. I was playing football part time. I was at university, and I could fit this around around me in university as well. Yep. So it was a good link in. Uh, when I was with the trust, then stayed with them for thirteen years, yeah. and, and worked my way up to to becoming a, a an A license. Coach. Or pro license coach and uh, an A license goalkeeper coach. Then was you always looking for the next development in your coaching career? Then obviously Swansea. Then you end up going into Swansea. But was you constantly looking? How do I evolve? Yeah, um, I was learning to be a coach first of all, and the the FAW was really good for me. You know, learning the ropes. Yep. You know, with a, the, a number of people, and I was a. I felt I was a probably a bit of a, a homebird at the at the time. Um, as a as a youngster, and I probably said at the time, if if I was going to go into the pro game, I'd either go to Swansea, Cardiff, or maybe the Bristol club, one of the Bristol clubs, because yeah. it wasn't too far to travel. Um, and ironically, I remember um, I had a phone call um, from Marge um, about about Swansea um, because Roberto Martinez had left to go to Wigan and so on, and the staff, all his staff, had gone. And I thought, sat there in the office, thought, you know, it's it's probably now or never. So. Yeah. Yeah, I had an opportunity to go down, meet the new manager that came in, who was Paulo Sosa. Yep. Um, met him for an hour, and he offered me the job there and then. And I thought, this is it. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna try to do it and and go from there. Yeah, because you had a, a really successful period while at Swansea with even Brendan Rodgers and the promotion to the Premier League and that. Stepping in from going, obviously from your career going, you played a, one game for Torquay and then you end up in the Welsh League. So then. To jump to the coaching side and it, this happened so fast, mm -hmm. it must have been a complete contrast. But I, I said to you before, like I'm full of admiration for how you've turned almost an adversity side into an unbelievable coaching career. Yeah, um, listen, I, I like to sit here and say I played, you know, two, three hundred games as well. And you know, but we, we also see, you know, there's there's managers, successful managers, as we all know, you know, that haven't played the game and have won the Premier League and won World Cups and yep. so on. So. Uh, but we've also seen, you know, players that have played four, five hundred games go into being managers and 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 failed in in some ways. Yeah. So um, I think it, it can go it can go either way. And you know, I just had to back myself that, you know, 
I, I trusted in myself that I knew the game. I worked with some really, really top managers. You know, you've named a couple there. Uh, and I kept learning on the job, you know, and working with some, you know, really, really top goalkeepers that were really supported at the time. You know, my, my first goalkeeper really at, at, um, at Swansea was Doris de Vries, who was a top, top individual. Again, you know, I still remain in contact with, this, you know, these these people. Um, and, some you know, goalie if you go was, in and, you know, if you, ha- if you have someone that's, not so supportive, and you know there are goalkeepers out there that sometimes are not too supportive of you. Um, then it can be difficult. But um, you know Doris was was different class, and you know us you know slowly got into it, and you know we had, we had a good one. You know Dave Cannell was there as well, young Dave Cannell. So um, uh, we we had a good uh, good little unit going on, and you know and as you said, we we built on things, built on success in the in the championship, and um, and then got promoted to the Premier League, which was fantastic. So. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously like, Doris was some goalie. I remember playing against him. I played against him in Scotland. I think it was. A yeah, that was right. Yeah, he was so good with his feet. Yeah. And but he was the it, first one. He was the first yeah, one that I came across. And I remember sitting on the bench, Mark, um, in my first couple of games, and he's getting the ball back in front. You know, when, when I was growing up, and no doubt yourself growing up, when you receive back passes, you know, make sure you play it outside the line of the post because yeah. if it goes under your foot, it goes out for a. He's worried a about corner. a ball and everything, <laughs> exactly, weren't you? Yeah. Exactly, and and there's Doris receiving it on his goal line. I thought, well. What are yeah. you doing, like sort of thing? But you know, I suddenly realised how good he was with it, with his feet, and yeah. you know, he he, um, I think he he was an outfield player until he was fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. Doris himself. That, the, du- the Dutch way of coaching goalkeepers, and I, the first time I ever encountered it, I'm a massive Edwin Van der Sar fan, but I played against Rangers and we played against uh, Ronald Waterus. Okay, yeah. And he took goal kicks. So if he was on the left hand side of the pitch, he took goal kicks with his left foot. If he was on the right hand side of the pitch, he took goal kicks with his right foot. I'd never seen anything like this in my life. I just was blown away. I was like, how can that be possible? And then I was like, well, that's got to be the standard. So then it was like, from that day, I was like, right, I'm practicing left foot, repetition, repetition. And now like, I feel so much more comfortable because I, I did like this uh, uh, every day after training, I'd line six balls up on a six yard box and I had to hit the net. And then I'd go to the penalty spot, I had to hit the net. And if I failed one of them, I had to go back to the start. And I kept doing this until I could get further and further back. And that, I just repetition, I was like, I have to get to a standard where I'm comfortable 100%. enough. Yeah, 100%. But like, yeah. I think it was, I had that one eureka moment from seeing him take goal yeah. kicks on. I was blown away. Yeah. Was mental. Yeah. Now, he, uh, he certainly made me open my eyes as well to the, to the coaching. And, uh, you know, the game was sort of slowly changing. But, you know, you... If you can remember that Swansea side, you know, we were renowned for our passing style. Yeah, and, was, yeah. You know, certainly within the championship, we used to, you know, blow teams away in the first 10 minutes who couldn't live with us. Sort of you thing, would have you know? worked one of the first championship sides that actually played football yeah, and, yeah. and no one could yeah. cope with you. And I think obviously since then, you've had yeah. the likes of Bournemouth that have done it and a few other teams. But Swansea yeah. at that stage were like totally yeah. renowned. They weren't the biggest. Yeah, they, teams. They, they, people talk about the Swansea way and there they was. And, you know, the um, the chairman, Hugh Jenkins at the time, were recruiting managers to do that. My As I said, my first manager, Paulo Sosa, um, you know, he played football but was more defensive. And then when when Brendan came in, you know, he took that, you know, to the next stage. Um, and like I said, you know, I think two seasons we were we were in the in the Premier League, and you know, obviously Brendan Brendan moved on, and then Michael Loudrup come, comes in, and you know, he takes that to the next level, and you you know, we we fortunate enough to win the the League Cup then. Yeah. So um, yeah, you know, it, it was unbelievable. The, the first five, you know, first my first period there, five and a half years was. It was fantastic, you know. I, I don't think we had a bad moment there. Yeah, amazing. Uh, it must have been hard to leave then. Obviously, well, it wasn't my choice to leave. Yeah, right. that, that's the nature of, of, no, of coaching now. Uh, yeah, and like no, we're saying about managers getting the sack and that. This is the nature of football. As yeah, it is it's at the football. Moment. I had a phone call with a with a 
uh, a goalkeeper coach coming up today who's, who's this week lost his job. And yeah, you know, we, we're laughing about it a, a little bit. I wasn't laughing at the time, but it, it is part and parcel of the game. And, you know, it, you grow a thick skin. It was, you know, it was one of the toughest moments of certainly my my life. For, what was it? I think I was out of work for four or five Four five months, and you, you're thinking where your next job's going to be. I was doing bits and pieces at at Norwich. I went into Norwich for a few weeks, and I went hell into, of a commute that. Yeah, that was back and forth. <laughs> Forty five p mile, but it was all right. Like, <laughs> no, I uh, went up to Norwich. Went into Birmingham, doing a little bit with them within the academy as well. And you know, it was a tough time, and you're just waiting for that next opportunity. And um, I think the next opportunity came to Sunderland then in the March. And as I said, I I was only going to go to the Swansea, Cardiff or Bristol and then ended up five hours away in Sunderland. So crazy, isn't it? it soon changed when you want to stay in the game. Yeah, that's the thing with f- football, especially the coaches now, that you end up, you either follow a manager around and you get sacked with them or a, a lot of, well, not a lot of clubs, a few clubs, a very f- few select clubs now will just employ the goalie coach as their employee. Yeah, yeah. But that's very rare. Yeah, I think that's... Ch- some clubs, you're dead right. And I think it comes down to finances nowadays as well, you know, Gone are the days. There was a period where it's an, a manager gets sacked, eight staff go, manager gets sacked, ten staff go, that, that type of thing. And the, the turnover was massive. Um, that was the thing at Swansea um, when Roberto left and all his staff went. Um, uh, Hugh Jenkins, I remember saying that he wasn't going to let that happen again with with the club. Um, and I know obviously Brendan moved on a couple of years later to, to Liverpool and you know, um, who was adamant in a way that he didn't want to let too many staff go. And I think when Brendan went, only um, only his assistant, or the analysis Chris at the time left, and um, Pask, the assistant, and um, and Glenn. So, you know, the rest of us, the rest of us stayed. Now, whether we wanted to go or we didn't want to go, and that type of thing. You know, who was adamant that he wanted, and you know, to be fair, he looked after individuals there um, because he wanted to. You know, keep Swansea going on the upward curve, yeah. and like you said, we, we carried on that after 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 Brendan left. Yeah, and obviously, uh, I want to go into the Sunderland just briefly, but uh, in that the the spell that you had there, there was a, a huge transition in manager. Uh, I think you went through four or five different managers, and that's is that difficult as a member of staff to to adapt your coaching style, also adapt the way that you respond with players and coaches alike. And mm. Yeah, um, I think as a goalkeeper coach especially, you know, you, you have to be adaptable. Um, you know, you have to change with the managers or, or, or not so much change yourself as a manager, but link in with them or blend in with them as a, as a, as a coach. Otherwise, you know, you could find yourself out the door. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough I think you know I haven't been. Well, I have been sacked, obviously within within the the uh, the environment. Um, but I've also survived, you know, with 12, 13, 14 different managers at the same yep. time. So going into Sunderland, yeah, I went up there, had a phone call to go up there um, with Dick Advocat, who, who came in and, and didn't have a goalkeeper coach. So um, they were in a difficult period. Obviously, again, they had sacked um, Gus Poyet, I think it was at the at the at the time. Um, and all the, his staff had gone. So obviously being respectful for the, the people left there, I had to go in then and, and do a job. We managed to, to keep ourselves up. Um, Dick was then obviously going or staying. He wasn't quite sure what he was doing. And in the end, he ended up leaving in uh, November. And, and then um, Sam Allardyce came in. And um, I felt Sam took the, turned the club, you know, re- really took over from Dick and kept the ship moving in the, in the right direction there. And yep. um, I think, 
you know, the club was you know in difficult times and, you know, that was going on off the field a little bit. But I think when we stayed up in that season with Sam, I remember drawing, I think we, we needed a point at, at the Emirates against Arsenal on a Wednesday night and we managed to, managed to get that. Wow. Um, uh, that was under Dick, sorry. And then uh, Sam was evident on a Wednesday night, Wednesday night at... Uh, at the stadium, I liked and uh, oh, fantastic! Even that, that was you know that lives in me gives gives me goose pimples. That, that stadium as that, well. That yeah, night, yeah. that was absolutely absolutely rocking, and uh, yeah, ironically, you know, um, we played Everton. Um, Roberto Martinez was the manager of Everton, and he got sacked the day after from Everton. So, uh, but we stayed up and you know took that forward. But that summer, then uh, um, Sam left for the for the England job yep. and. Um, you know, things changed quickly then with Everton, although we had David Moyes come in the, the following year. You know, David was, you know, a really good manager. He'd just come from Manchester United himself. Um, but he had, a, he had a tough job in, on his hands at the time, I think, with the way the club was was uh, was going, etc. And, yeah, unfortunately, we got, got relegated the, the following year. That, yeah. But, um, no, like I said, um, you know, really enjoyed working with these managers, Sam, David. You know, and again, still in touch with these these. Type you of must people learn as well. so much, though. Every oh, I know it's difficult sometimes working uh, in an insecure job under different managers, but you must learn a lot more on the way. And it's like I say, yeah. about fast tracking, but you're picking up nuggets of gold off each person. De- definitely, definitely. And it, it wasn't until probably about twelve months ago someone said about the managers, and I named them, and sort of referred. There's some top top managers I've worked with, and you know, surviving with them, working with them, or you know, or having success with them, you know, and I've I've done done it done it all in that way, in yeah. in, in the nicest way, is you know, it's great having success, but I probably learned as much by the the negative elements of the the job as well. Um, certainly made me feel stronger um, as a coach and an individual as well, and yeah, just realised you know, you know, when you do lose your job in in any environment, you know. You, it is part and parcel of the world that, that we're actually working in. How, how f- hard is it also living away from home as a coach? Oh. Uh, obviously, as players, we commute all <clears> around <throat> the country. Mm-hmm. We ask our wives and our kids to, to commute with, uh, travel or yeah. move houses and that. As a coach, it can be quite a lot different. It's normally the coach that will just go, stay two or three nights a week and do the yeah the yeah. hard miles. 100%. Like, like you said, you... I had the phone call to go to Sunderland. It's five and a half hours from from my home address, sort of thing. So, but you got to do it because it's it's a job, yep. and you have to go to do it. So, I left my my family in uh, back home for for that period of time when I was I was going there in the March, and it was only really until the end of the season initially. So, you wasn't moving the kids. My my son Alfie was in um, in comprehensive school, just going to start GCSEs. My daughter Isla was, you know. F- four or five at the time and, and young and just starting her schooling, obviously. So, you know, we had to make sure that, you know, with, with my wife, that, you know, the support was there for, for them initially. Yep. Um, so I travelled five and a half hours up to Sunderland really till the end of the season and then st- stayed there for th- for three and a half years. Yeah. I had, I think it was six managers by the time, I was on my sixth manager time I left. Yep. I could have lost my job at on any anyone, point. any point. So... There wasn't really, in my mind, a stability to actually move everybody up there or even talk about moving people yeah. up there. Um, my week was a case. I probably came home once every 10 days. Really? I'd probably okay. drive back on a Tuesday after training about 2 o'clock, get home for 7 o'clock, half 7, put the kids to bed, wake up in the morning, walk them to school, you know, spend the day with, with the wife, um, take my... 
you know, pick them up pick from, them school. from school. Yeah. And then I was probably back in the car by five o'clock yep. to get back up to Sunderland for 11 o'clock. I've so done it before. 24 like that, hours and, and, if, and oh. you're constantly thinking about the next journey, the next exactly. drive, aren't you? And it's when, you when you're home next, when you're yeah. home next. And yeah, it, it was. But, you know, I had massive support from, from my wife and, and my family at that time. Yeah, that's um, so important. And, and it, 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 it's massive. And, you know, it, it was tough times. You know, I had tough times. You know, I'll, I'll openly say, uh, you know, I needed to go to to speak to to individuals when I was in my time at Sunderland, you know, to to seek help because, you know, mentally it, it was a tough period of time. But, yeah, it, you know, it, it was massive. And, you know, I'm not the only one um, that's probably doing that now at the moment. And, you know, I can I can feel for, for them individuals. But, like you say, we, we try to, to work hard in, in that environment we do to, to stay in a job for, for yourselves and, and obviously your families as well. So, yeah. Also, uh, on obviously you're saying about how difficult it is and uh, the insecurities of, of the job. Because there's only one goalkeeper that plays and there's normally uh, one one on the bench and then you've got a couple of... It's the same with the staff. There's one goalie coach at each club. Now there's obviously... It's developing more and uh, a lot of the higher level clubs will have a, a head of goalkeeping and then they'll have an assistant goalie coach with the first team and then they'll have a youth team goalie coach. Do you find that there is more jobs being created as football develops more? Yeah, I think the goalkeeping department is at, at what level you're probably looking at the Premier League and yeah. and it, it, but it's stripping down to the Championship. I'd say there, there's a couple of assistant coaches in the in assistant goalkeeper coaches in the in the Championship yeah. at the moment now as well. But I think definitely the the, the Premier League now. I think that's going to go on to the next level again now and, and become their own department. So, yeah. you know, I was head of goalkeeping at, at Bristol Rovers. What that meant, you know, I don't know. You know, I was looking at the first team, and I had I had a guy in the um, in the academy. Yeah. You know, it's not really a head of goalkeeping, but I can see a head of goalkeeping now. You know, where you're going to be looking after the the recruitment, you're looking after, you know, the current scouting, you're looking after goalkeepers out on loan. Yeah. You're looking after maybe an assistant goalkeeper coach, a first team goalkeeper coach. So you you know you could be overseeing a number of departments. You know, there's 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 jobs advertised at the moment for for um, Pacific goalkeeping, strength and conditioning yeah. coaches and, yeah. and, and fitness coaches, goalkeeping analysis uh, as well. Like, so, you know, if you think about them being, you know, five, six, seven jobs, you know, they probably need to be managed by an individual. So, yeah. but, you know, like I said, I think that's where, you know, will only happen where the money is and that's probably in the Premier League at the, yeah. at the moment. Um, and maybe one or two championship clubs will try to do that best they can as well. Yeah. But then you, uh, that's what I, I find it amazing that goalkeeping's come that far because 25 years ago, most of the Premier League Premiership teams at the time wouldn't have even had a goalie coach. There'd have been uh, one goalie coach that would have went on a yeah. Monday to one yeah. club and a Tuesday to a different club yeah. or on a Wednesday to another club. And that's how it used to be. Yeah. So it, how quickly it's evolving. But through the help of some really experienced coaches and the courses that the FA and other, other FAs put on, it's just showing how much more that there is from a goalkeeper and the departments are, uh, there's so much yeah. more from, from us to come as well. Yeah, I think teams are looking out for that extra 1%, as we would say, you know, and whether that's for the, you know, analysis areas or, like I said, strength and conditioning, if that, if that helps the goalkeeper to, to, to make that one penalty save in the last minute, then, you know, that might save him a point, which yeah. might keep him in the Premier League and give him an extra £120 million for the following year. You know, that that's how... You know the small sort of margins are, and 
I think they're they're then they're leaving no uh, no stone unturned at yeah. the moment. Right, uh, I'm going to lighten this up now by doing our quiz. I know you're looking forward to this. Oh, good uh, idea. So it's goalie or no goalie, uh, and I've got five current international goalkeepers. Hug. Uh, and I've got five made-up names. Under, or, or Under-19s, you're talking about. <laughs> no, 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 no. First-team goalkeepers. They've all played or been in the, the latest squads. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a trick. Uh, it's, yeah. It's 50-50. Uh, I'll get me a little scoreboard out as well, because I'm crap at counting at the moment. Uh, yeah, so it's one point for each correct answer. Let's see how you get on, yeah? Ready? <laughs> it's a trick. It, okay, it's meant on. to be a bit of fun. Okay. Right? So, number one, Marvin Merchants. I've not heard that name, to be honest. Well, I say no goalkeeper. He is not a goalkeeper. He is Marv from Home Alone. Oh, is he? Yeah, like big Marv. Marv. He is uh, the character Marvin Merchants. Big Can't wait Marv. to see him on TV. In the yeah, exactly. Obviously, uh, as this show goes out, it's a couple of days after Christmas and that. So, yeah, I thought I'd tie it all in a little bit for you. <laughs> so, yeah, you've got a couple of Christmas answers in here. Okay. Right. Number two, Michael Wood. He is a goalkeeper for... Um, New Zealand. He is he a was goalkeeper from New Zealand. So I know that name. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, currently in Japan playing. Yeah. For correct, Ven yeah. Venturet. Yeah. Right. Number three, Mario Gonzalez. I say goalkeeper. He is a goalkeeper. You're on fire here. Great start. El Salvador and Allianz goalkeeper. I was going to say yeah, El Salvador. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I was going to say. If you, listen, oh, you actually got me then. Right. Uh, well played. Three out of three so far. Right. Number four, Gus Polinski. No goalkeeper. He is not a goalie. He is uh, also from Home Alone. He is uh, John Candy's character. That's correct. Yeah. I'm a big Home Alone fan. So <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you the truth now. You've actually got five Home Alone characters. Oh, in yeah. It. Yeah. So <laughs> there's some names that I thought, oh, you might recognise these and some that you haven't. So I just thought, oh, Christmas. He was the one things. in the band. Guess, he was, so yeah. He was and he drove the them across yeah, country. That was it, that was it. Drove the mum, yeah. Right. Number five, Devon Rattray. Um. I say no goalkeeper. You're on fire. You've got it. No, no goalkeeper. He is uh, Buzz. Buzz. Yeah. I didn't know that. It, but, yeah. is, so the the actor uh, yeah. for Buzz McAllister, Kevin's brother, is Devon Rattray. Okay. Yeah, nice. Five out of five, you're flying. How many do we do? Is that? I thought ten. it was only five. Oh, is it? No, nah, ten. Five of each. Okay. Number six, Matt's Sells. Sells, yes. Yeah. Goalkeeper. Goalkeeper. He is a goalkeeper. He's a Belgium goalkeeper Stray, and yeah. Strasbourg. Newcastle, was he at Newcastle? I think he was for a little bit. I don't think he played, though. No, I don't think he played, no. I think he was there, yeah. Great knowledge, this. Right, number seven, Roberts Blossom. That's a 50-50. I think he might be a goalkeeper. So you're saying goalie? Goalie. He is not a goalkeeper. Oh. I've got you on one. Uh, he is the actor that plays a scary neighbour, Marley. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know the one that walks along uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, digging yeah. the snow? Yeah, Roberts Blossom, that's the actor. Right, I've got you on one, buzzing. <laughs> right, number eight, Ronwen Williams. I'd say no. He I is a goalie. I, I haven't heard that name, but... He is uh, the South Africa goalkeeper. Okay. Uh, African Cup Nations coming up soon as well. Okay, i look out for him. Yep. Uh, number nine, Dan Zukowski. I'll go no goalkeeper. He is not a goalkeeper. He is the pizza delivery boy from Home Alone. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Three, two, one. Oh, uh, what's uh, the film that plays in the background? It's going to take some lead. Oh, yeah. good. Great film. Right, number 10, last one. Zion Suzuki. I'll say goalkeeper. He is a goalkeeper. Eight out of 10, you're flying. Brilliant score. 
Uh, here's the Japan and uh, St. Trident goalkeeper. Yeah. Hey, I'll take, you've got to be happy with that. And I'll, take, I'll take eight. eight Is that top of the leaderboard or no, you're not, mid, uh, mid-table? So we've, got a very, we've got a leaderboard of 52. So, okay, uh, all right. So eight puts you up, eight puts you up in the top, top ten, half, I think, so. at least. Is it top half? Yeah, I'll I think it. there's only one that's got ten, so Is now it? you're flying. Oh, well. Who's that? Uh, Emily Ramsey, uh, okay. Everton goalkeeper. Oh, brilliant. Uh, She's flying, to be fair. So, yeah, I did I did do... Female international goalkeepers. Okay. So yeah, now she she flew for it. She was brilliant. Right. I, I want to get onto your, your role now with uh, the FA and stuff. Uh, so you're now coaching the future coaches uh, is one of the biggest things. I'm I'm looking to get into doing my coaching badges and that. I've had uh, Andy Lonergan on the phone in the last couple of days, singing your praises, singing Anthony White's praises, Tim's praises. Like he's thoroughly enjoying the course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had a lot of, even Scott Loach, I've had loads of people speak about how good the course is. Mm-hmm. But it's also daunting for someone that hasn't started it yet. Well, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I don't think you, you need to, to feel daunted in any way, shape or form. Um, I, I think the the main thing I, I see with, with pros coming on, or former pros coming in, or, or pros that, that, that are doing courses, is, is they come in and... It takes them out. They're out of their comfort zone as soon as they walk through the door and see people, or, or we ask them to stand up and start speaking in front of people because it, you know they're probably not used to it. They're used to playing in front of 20, 30, 40,000, but can't yeah. stand in front of twenty four yeah. people. But I think once they settle down and realise, and as long as they stay open minded and remain open minded to, to what we're trying to what we're trying to do and trying to help them with and support them with, then um, I think any goalkeeper, sh- any goalkeeper or former goalkeeper shouldn't. Uh, Shouldn't have any uh, reservations about coming on any of courses that we certainly run. But even even the, the non-former goalkeepers and the, the dads that want to improve the coaching yeah. of their son, there's there's so many tricks of the trade and tips that you can learn to just help develop anyone at any level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's the most important thing. Is is it's all about the development. Yeah, I, I probably look at it and saying it's it's not so much that I I try to help and support people on on what to coach. It's more so how to coach and learning how to be a coach. What you end up coaching and the way you do it in the end is is, is entirely up to you. But, you know, we have a a, a sort of process that, that we look to go through and su- support as well. And it's one way of, no doubt, many ways of, of, of coaching. And, you know, some people agree, some people take things from it and, and, and some won't, and, and, and that's fine. Um, ultimately, it's up to, up to you when you go through it. But, you know, what I... I try to say to people is, you know, don't be a YouTube goalkeeper coach where you look at watch something online and just try to mimic what, what you see. And you, you've actually got to look into it a little bit deeper and, and realise how how that session's been put on and why they're doing it and yeah. look at the bigger context of it all. And I think that's really, really important. Um, so, so yeah, we try to cater or we do cater for, for all ages, you know, from, from coaches that work in the grassroots environment um, through to goalkeepers, you know, currently on our on our A license, we've got three Premier League goalkeeper coaches on there, and it's helping and supporting them um, in in relation to to their own in, environments. Now, if you're a Premier League coach, you, you might take two or three bits out of it. As a grassroots coach, you might take you know loads and loads yeah, yeah. of things out of it. But I like to think that anybody that comes on any of our coaches certainly take things away, and um, you know, it's nice to hear that uh, what Lon has said and. Um, and Lochi as well and you know they're not the only two I can I can tell you that at the moment and it, you know it's really humbling to to know they're enjoying uh, 
enjoying coming onto the courses at the moment? Yeah, like I said, uh, I've not started my coaching badge. I started it actually in Scotland uh, when I was playing at 21 years old. And I, even then I, I was too young to appreciate how I was going to develop. And that's why I was, I'm very uh, much full of admiration how you, through adversity and going back to play uh, football in Wales and stuff, that you started yours so early, where I'm like towards the back end of my career going, I still want to do that. Yeah. And uh, and that's why one of the reasons I started, as I was saying, my podcast, to, to spread a message that we should be celebrated as goalkeepers. We, we are different, mm -hmm. but we also work into that same goal. And no matter how we get there, we're all trying to improve each other and the sense of community that goalkeeping has is slightly different than the outfielders. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. And like, like I said, there's there's opportunities there for you know as a as a form of employment now. You know, if you look at academies in 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 England, Wales, Scotland, uh, Northern Ireland, or any anywhere in the world, there's loads of academies, and and they they all require goalkeeper coaches to to work within there. So so there's opportunities, and as we've already spoken about, you know. I think you know most clubs, not just Premier League and you know EFL clubs, but you know you go down the pyramid system now, and there's goalkeeper coaches everywhere. Yeah, there is. So there's there's opportunities for for people to to work within an environment as well, and you know we have you know a lot a lot of top top individuals and a lot a lot of top coaches out there now that are you know are, are working constantly on the on the coal face with the. Um, with the with the young goalkeepers of the future within the England pathway, and, and as you said earlier, it, it doesn't have to be a, a manager that's played hundreds of games. It could just be a coach that really just loves coaching, and they've worked on what they're doing, and they might never have kicked a ball before, but they're brilliant coaching. Do you find that, like, obviously your role now with the FA, do you see many of those characters coming through? Um, yeah, you, you see you see loads of different characters. You know, people. You know, decide to come to the on, onto the courses for for their own different reasons, yeah. and there's so many different reasons to to name. But um, but yeah, all, all we try to do is is try to understand why why they're on the course and what they want to get out of it, um, and try to you know tick as many boxes as we can for them to to support them going going further down the line. So so yeah, like we have you know different levels and and different individuals. We have you know people like myself when you know that I've, I've come out of the game from. Um, as apprentices and, and so on, and want to get into coaching and so on, you know, which which is great. We have you know people within the female game that which are which are coming on, and that's obviously as 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 we all know is developing massively at the moment. And you know they are programs for goalkeepers and goalkeeper coaching is, is developing as well. And you know courses need to be run to support the individuals and 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 tick the criteria and the prerequisites to to work in you know at the different levels. Yeah, even with uh, Mary Earps just winning the Sports Personality of the Year award. Uh, like even that is showing how much the, the the goalkeeping community and obviously the the female side of goalkeeping has evolved and mm -hmm. it's huge credit to her and the the staff that have worked with her. I know Ian Wilcox well. I know yeah, Darren yeah. Wardwell yeah. and the work that they've put into her as a person <clears throat> as a goalkeeper is obviously is reaping the rewards. No, a hundred percent. You know, I, I think they talked about the they couldn't get the shirts, could they, or or, yeah. or whatever from the from Nike or um or or from England yeah. overall, like. But they've come through, and I think they sold out pretty quickly. So, you know, if if we we'd said that five or six years ago, was that going to happen? We'd, we'd we'd probably say no. But yeah. you know, it's it's fantastic that you know to see the development of 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 goalkeeping in the in the women's game as well, and it's certainly an area. You know, I was fortunate enough as you know when I was working at the. The FAW um, to manage the Wales Women National Team for for three years, yeah. um, and you know we had some really good individuals at the time, but you know you know the 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 goalkeepers of today have have taken that on you know tenfold. Yeah, and uh, I want to go back into the coaching side, but 
the adaptation of coaching from kids' levels to, to men's levels is the way you coach is different, but the fundamentals are stay exactly the same. And I always say this to other parents that ask me for advice. I'm like, just the basics. Always concentrate on the basics. No matter what, if you're 37 like me, I still have to, on a Monday to Friday, think about how to improve the basics of mm -hmm. what we do as goalkeepers. Yeah. Do you, is that something that you, you notice a lot more when you do coach kids? That it's just drilling those sort of things into them. Yeah, there's there's obviously different different ways, and I suppose as a coach, different skill sets to utilize who you're working with. You know, it's you know, would I coach totally different to an under 15 to to working with the under 19s in the England system? I, I pr probably not a lot. No, yeah. you know, there'll be different things you need to think about with regards to their growth and maturation as as a as a young 15 year old, but also you know, as a 19 year old, they they might be going through growth spurts and, and that type of thing as well. So you need to be mindful of different things and you know repetitions and the intensity that you you're training at. But you know, the fundamentals and on on um, on how I coach. Um, you know the way I, I put sessions on with my session design and how I think and you know trying to get your outcomes and, and that of, of the session related to what the head coach is doing and what the outfield are doing you know remains the same all the way through and you just got to adapt to, yep. to the age group and the environment that that you're working with so you know you definitely can't be the same individual with a 19 and 20 year old or a senior pro than with a 15 year old but there's not a huge huge difference in in how you coach it uh, two of the things that i thought then what you said is spot on as well where uh, the way that you adapt to a different manager obviously a manager has his own style of play and as a goalkeeper coach you have to pass that on mm, to your yeah. goalkeepers and help them adapt but uh, one of the big things that you mentioned then is the growth spurts thing of, yeah. uh, of especially with the kids at 15 16 years old i went through it myself at one point and i i knew my coordination went to absolute mm. bits yeah and uh I always remember my goalie coach at the time, uh, Alex Welsh. He was he would always go, "I you're you're about to grow," and I'd be like, "How do you know I'm about to grow?" And he was like, "Because your coordination's not there. Your hands and your feet aren't working exactly the same as they were two weeks ago." And yeah. he, he could see predict when I was getting a growth spurt. Yeah, and uh, he was always right. Yeah, there's there's many things to look at, and obviously the 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 way you know the the goalkeepers that we're working with now are obviously all related to the club environment and yeah. the. Um, you know the the top professional clubs as as well, um, and they have loads of testing done and loads of things that you can find and predicted height and and so on and so forth. And you know they they're constantly monitored from a physical element point of view. And um, you know we do the you know testing elements of them when they come in and monitor them also. Um, and the important thing I think what we try to do is is link in and have that you know communication with with clubs and and individuals to help and support them along the way. So. You know, so we're not, you know, endangering them in any way, shape, or form, you know, within their training sort of programs in, in going forward, and, and we try to support them at the at the key times. Is that uh, sometimes difficult to tie in? Because, uh, for instance, a, a goalkeeper can come from a, a club that plays long ball football, but then the England philosophy is slightly different, and you're trying to get them to adapt. Or is that also a really fun challenge that you're going? There's more than one way to to. To, to play football and let's show you a different way but then you can take that skill set back to your club level yeah um you know the the, the young goalkeepers of the day are you know brilliant with their with their feet and you know this it's one of their their, their biggest strengths for, for right or wrong is, is one of their biggest strengths so so when they come into an england system you know yeah we, we do try to ask the goalkeepers to play uh, and build from the back and, and and that type of thing as as we do but you know, I'm thinking about a couple of guys I've had in the system in recent times that have been in, you know, probably less fashionable clubs, shall I say, all due respect, that probably don't play that that passing style. 
but you know they can do it but they're just not asked to do it yeah. on a on a saturday or whatever day they're playing within their their club environment too often but generally they're pretty good in in coming in and, and doing what they're doing and yeah they may, might not be as good in, in doing that to someone that does that week in week out but you know we're looking at the pathway here and you know they they might not be able to, to do it you know to to the highest level at you know 16 17 18 whatever it is but you know we're also looking further down the line as you know are they going to be doing it when they become senior internationals you know in in that in that time and they, they will continue to develop no doubt so. it's also good to look at our full internationals obviously we've got four goalkeepers around the setup we've got more than that but I'm saying like the four, like obviously we've got Aaron Ramsdale, Jordan Pickford, Nick Pope and Sam Johnson and they're four completely different styles. Mm-hmm. So it must be great for as coaches and as goalkeepers coming through the, the system to go, well, I'm more like that one and uh, I'm more like that one and yeah. who, he's who I want to be like because you, you're setting yourself more realistic goals of like, it's, a, it's more obtainable. Yeah, you know, we, we utilise, um, um, you know, goalkeeping characteristics. We've got 19 sort of characteristics there in under the the tech tack physical sort of elements and the the managerial of the game sort of elements as well, um, do we expect all England goalkeepers to come in ticking every one of them? No, certainly we, we don't. Um, you know, if we if you if we ask the the four goalkeepers that you just named there, they they wouldn't be able to tick all of them. No. They'd all tick different elements, and you know, Jordan might be a, a you know a, an eight out of ten in that, and Aaron might be a six out of ten in that, but on the other one, Aaron might be a nine out of ten, and Jordan a four. Out of 10, you know. Yep. But you know they all the makeup overall become an England goalkeeper. They'll have their strengths, they'll have their weaknesses. Yeah. But you know ultimately when they when they play on a you know Saturday or a Tuesday whenever it is for England, you know are they able to perform to the highest level in possession and out of possession? And and generally the the answer for for all four of the goalkeepers there yes. would, would generally be yes. Yep. Uh, I also want to go on to a little bit of the talent ID that you do. Obviously. Uh, you are recruiting and getting in the goalkeepers from all the academies around England and even further than that now. Yeah. Uh, but like identifying uh, the key ca- characteristic, uh, characteristics and how you can develop them and how that they're going to develop uh, and creating that pathway for them. You're almost kind of predicting their possible outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it is, you, you look at them here and now, but you know, we look at you know, as, as potential as well. So, you know, they might not be ready for the pathway at the moment. And this is this is what we say. You know, we, we had a group of 20, 24 goalkeepers in two weeks ago at St. George's Park. Um, and they're in the pathway or within the sort of long, what we call the long list. So, yeah. you know, we're always monitoring them, whether it's, you know, this guys within the um, uh, the football association um, or our, our talent reporters that are out there watching games on a, on a weekly basis. We're always monitoring them. They might not be ready for the pathway at the moment to come in and say, be in my, my next under-19 squad. But that doesn't mean they're not going to play for England, you know, in, in four years' time. So, you know, we'll continue to monitor goalkeepers. You know, we'll continue to look at them. You know, there's, there's goalkeepers. You know, I think Nick Pope was without, out of the system for a long time and, until he came back in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's swings and roundabouts to it all. So we just encourage the goalkeepers to just perform to the best of their ability and... Um, so first, first and foremost, they need to make sure they get careers, you know, and then you know the England stuff uh, or any international, uh, you know, recognition on the on the back of that will 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 follow, no doubt. Yeah. But um, the important thing is, you know, if if you want a life in in football, you know, you need to be playing uh, regular within the within a, the team. A, a lot of that is a uh, circumstance as well from the club that you're you're currently at. 
uh, obviously we were speaking about Owen Fisher earlier on that he ended up playing quite a few games for Scunthorpe very mm-hmm. early in his career yeah. and then now he's had to take a, a bit of a step back in terms of playing but his development would have improved immensely mm-hmm. uh, and it must be hard when you've got like a goalkeeper at 17 that's playing first team football but then you're you're bringing other goalkeepers that are still playing academy football and putting them in the same group because their requirements and needs are, are slightly different at that time yeah, again, it comes to skill sets, you know, in, in the environment. So, you know, in, in relation to, to, to Owen, who you just mentioned, that, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, his, his club are, are doing all they can and, and, and got a, a plan for him in going forward in, in, in what's required. And the same with many other goalkeepers out there. You know, they, they might sign them from a, a club, you know, further down the system to come in and, and think to themselves, you know, this is the plan for him in going forward for over the next four, five, six years. Um, or two or three, or you know, it all, all depends. So, you know, that, that could be difficult for the goalkeeper that he, if he's been playing regular for a number of uh, number of months, number of years, and then he comes back, and then he's, you know, all due respect, playing in academy football. Then yeah. when he's just been playing senior football in in the national league or or, or whatever. But um, yeah, I like to think that you know the clubs will have the the players' best interests at heart and in, uh, in going forward and have. Uh, have good uh, pathway plans for them in going forward. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that coaching course that you just had, uh, where you had uh, the camp, sorry? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I found it really interesting that you invited uh, a whole host of goalkeepers from all the different age groups to to bring them into that environment and also just to, to gain knowledge on them, get, look at their personalities and aspects. And you obviously invited a couple of... of of key people down as well, like you said, Andy Lonergan and David James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of times a year, we have um, what we call the, the national goalkeeping camps and at St George's Park. So um, we either do it on a, a youth development phase, YDP or, or PDP, uh, professional development phase goalkeepers. Um, so that might be from the 15s to the 17s, or the sort of 18s to the 20s or, or, or 21s. Um, generally, up to the, the sort of 20s. Um, last year, for instance, this time last year with the World Cup. You know, we we didn't have any national camps in the October and November because of the World Cup. So we actually used it as a touch base with the guys that were in the system, yep. the goalkeepers that were regularly playing for the sort of 17s, 18s and 19s that came in. There's a little bit of a touch base with them. Um, and it's an opportunity to get them in. Uh, this year, um, it was people within the sort of uh, what we call the long list. So I might have a group of, uh, six, seven goalkeepers I might be monitoring within that under-19 age group that I'm working with. So I might go out and watch them or would go out and watch them quite regular. Um, but it's not the same when I'm turning up to watch a game and you're watching it for 90 minutes and coming away. You don't really get to know the character. Um, we do, you know, through the year, go into clubs and try to touch base with, yeah. you know, goalkeeper coaches and the, and the players within the club environment. But this is another sort of opportunity to get people in. So... They can actually come in um, and see how they link within their own age groups. So where they sort of stand and you know where they're pecking order. You might might come in and it might be me and you at the same age as yep. you know two thousand and fives or whatever, and yeah, thinking, yeah. well, my he's, he's decent. Then I need to work on that more. So they can compare within each other. That's a well. bit of competition aspect too. Yeah, it's, it's 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 really good. But you know, it, it gives them a, a little bit of the England experience as well. Um, so if I do have to call on a goalkeeper from from you know one of the guys that was there last week, you know they they've met me, they know me, they know the system, they know how we work, they know how we coach, they know what St George's Park is all about. If they have to come in there, and it sort of breaks the ice a little bit as well um, as as one aspect from yeah. a sort of social psych sort of element of it. But you know it's great to get them on the grass and you know see their skill set and what they got to offer, and you know 
gives us a better understanding of of knowing the individuals and yeah, as, as you said, it's great to have people like David James and Andy Lonergan coming down last week to be part of it. You know, they're going through their, their coaching themselves on on their goalkeeping B and A license courses as well. And, you know, to have people, you know, within the game see what we're doing and how we're doing it, you know, is really good. And, you know, for the for the players there themselves, you know, they're able to to touch base with, with them types of individuals and gain knowledge and support as well. And yeah, it was a it was a good three day camp to be honest. Yeah, it sounds amazing. I, I've I've done some of the England setups in the past, but we never had anything like that at the time. It was the the you got called up. It was one, two, or three as like to the to the England camps or the matches, and I found that at the time that it was a lot more fussy. Clubs were a lot more picky. Uh, I was at Arsenal at the time. They wouldn't let you go as yeah. much, but some clubs would love love their goalkeepers yeah. going or their yeah. players going. We, we have we have that now. You know, club, clubs sometimes don't allow goalkeepers to come because they might have games yeah. or, or have their own reasons. And, and that's fine. It's, it's, it's opportunities. If, if if they don't come, he or she or he doesn't come, then, um, yeah, the, you know, the next one comes in and we have a look at them. It, it doesn't mean that they're going to, you know, we're not going to pick them next yep. time. You know, it's just an opportunity for them to come in. If, if clubs feel that, um, you know, we, I think we had like FA Youth Cup games or under-21 games around the same time, that's fine. If, you know, some of the goalkeepers are around first-team environment, so, yeah, you know, they've got to turn up for a game. But listen, some some clubs don't allow them to come. Some say, can they come for the first day and then leave to be back? You know, and we've had that. So, you know, we 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 try, we try to work with the clubs, you know, and, yeah. and so on and... You know, certainly I feel, and I've been at the FA now over two and a half years now, and certainly what we try to do as a as a department with with Anthony Miki and Matt and Tim, like you know, we we try to put things in together to give that support to the club and and, and work together yeah. um, to to support the individual, the clubs, and so on. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah, and I find that so amazing. That obviously, like the the department that you've built and stuff like that, and the way that you you've. Re- you use each other almost and outside influences and the way that you tie it all in and stuff. I yeah. think it's obviously we, we for, certainly don't we certainly don't don't know it all and we yeah. you know I, I wouldn't like to think people think that that we know it all like but you know we we try to call on people with experiences you know you know it's the same I, I look at you know managers that I've worked under and I, I use this sort of analogy that you know if if they all had to have ten strengths to be a top top manager. Each manager that I've worked with in my, in, in my time, they haven't got all ten. No. Some might have five, some might have eight. But what they try to what they try to do within the staff around them, they they get the ten. Yeah, yeah. And how they do it, and makes sense. I think within sort of our department, you know, we've all got our strengths, we've all got our weaknesses, and you know, and and areas to work on, and you know. But what we try to do, we know there's people out there that can support and and help and assist, and you know, whether this goalkeeper coaches that have been in the in the pathway in the system before, you know, we still tap into them. Um, and the you know the international environments as well, and you know we're, we're quite open, and you know we we want to get better, and, and we want to continue to to evolve and, and develop, and you know we're only going to do that with the support of of everybody as a as a department, and yeah. not just you know two or three individuals that work at uh, at England. Uh, and finally, I just want to talk about uh, the the importance and relying on those relationships, but of the video, video analysis and the the goalkeeping gym specific work, mm-hmm. obviously you're trying to make a complete goalkeeper. So you've got to rely on those sort of yeah, influences yeah. and you've got to be able to pick the brains of other people. And how important would you say that uh, for a young goalkeeper, especially the, the video analysis side is and the gym side is? Um, oh, massive, massive. You know, this is, this is how goalkeeping is going, you know, and like I said, I, I'm not a, I'm not a specialist, you know, in the gym and I'm not a specialist on a, on the, on a psych element and, yeah. and that type of thing. But you, 
you have individuals that you can tap in to support. You know, we, we cover them elements, no doubt, to a to a high level, but we, we're not the experts on them. So, you know, it's, it's, it's huge to make sure that all goalkeepers have a full understanding what what's required. And I spoke earlier on about that, finding that extra 1% and so on. You know, these younger goalkeepers need need 20% and 30% that they're looking forward to develop. And, yeah. you know, you hear now that, you know, even clubs and agents are getting their own, you know, goalkeepers and players their own personal goal um personal goalkeeping um fitness individuals or or yeah or psychologists or, or or what have you so it's building and building and building but i think it's just vitally important that you know we're not just a one-man band nowadays you know we've got to tap into a lo- load of individuals to get a load of support and you know i work closely with the uh, analysis of individuals that we have at, at England and you know they draw down you know loads and loads of information to support me in seeing you know what I see about my goalkeepers or who we play in the opposition and, and so on and th- so forth and in developing that goalkeeper going forward and you know that's then taken into maybe movement patterns and so on which might go to the the the, the PPC that yeah. we, we call them and the, the strength and conditioning individuals and they might be able to build on this that and the other and you know the 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 vehicle you know it continues to build as a as an individual and and hopefully then become a a, a full in the England international of the yeah. future. I love that. I, mean, I find that so interesting to just listen to the way that it you tie it all together, but you're just trying to make the the best goalkeeper out of that person that you can. Yeah, do. yeah. And that's all yeah, it is at the end of the day. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like I say, you know, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and yeah. you know, coming together. Again, going back thirty years ago, it was it was just you know on the pitch it'd just be you as the goalkeeper and me as the coach. Goalies are follies and a bit of goalie wars and off, off we go. Like, yeah. you know. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's it's developed, you know, massively in the in the period of time, and you know, even more so as we said, you know, there's there's so many um, so many building blocks to to uh, to supporting a goalkeeper nowadays, and um, you know, the ones at the top end of the the scale, are, you know, are getting massive support. And this is what I say to them, young young goalkeepers, they have to realise how lucky they are within the in the academies, what they have, you know, within their building. And they'll be a fool if they're not tapping into that. If they're not knock, knocking the door of the, you know, the the strength and conditioning guy, or not knocking the door of the analysis guy, or not knocking the door of the diet and nutritionist, and and, and so on, to say, I want more, I want more, give me more, because they they're only going to have one opportunity to get at this mark. And if they end up looking in the mirror in two or three years' time, thinking I wish I had done this, wish I had done that, it, it might be a little bit too late for them. Like you said before, the, the onus is on them. It's their career at the end of the day, and they've got to do as much as they can in that short spell to to make that career. Hundred percent. And then it, once you you kind of establish yourself, it's up to you where you go from there. Mm-hmm. And it's all down to the individual. But obviously, with people like you in the background, helping them and crafting them and guiding them in the right direction, I feel like the 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 England goalkeeper future is in, in very safe hands. Oh, thank you. Yeah, ho- ho- hopefully, like then, like I said, we even we though continue. you're a Welshman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, my pa- my parents were England. My parents were from Bristol and all that, so I've got allegiances to to the England setup as well. But uh, no, joking apart, it, you know, we continue to develop. You know, we we're following on from from people in the past. Martin Martin Thomas, another Welshman, it was you know is is a good mate of mine, and you know worked within the the England setup for twenty five years. Uh, and has taken it to, to where it is uh, at the moment. And, you know, we just continue to involve, you know, people like Eric Steele and uh, um, and Simon Smith, for instance, Keith Granger, you know, were massive influences on me as a yeah. goalkeeper coach coming through the system. Um, and I'm sort of with a with the support of Ant and Tim and Miki and, uh, and, and Matt Doyle. We're, uh, 
holding the torch, holding the baton and, and taking that on, uh, yeah. you know, as, as far as we can then. But uh, we still look at the support from the others, you know, meet Martin regular to have a catch up and Keith Stiller within the programme, Simon Smith still in the programme. So we still need these individuals to help and support us in, in taking it forward as well. So, yeah. uh, and again, like I said, people like David James, Lawners and, you know, other goalkeepers that have been in the in the pathway are, are massively supportive of, of what we're doing up to now as well. Oh, brilliant. Uh, and right, finally, I always finish on this question, but what does the goalkeepers' union mean to you? Um, the goalkeepers' union, yeah, 100% the goalkeepers' union. I, I like to think that we're always there to to rely on each other and support each other. Um, critical friends probably as well. Um, I think you know, yeah. If you if you're part of that goalkeeping union, yeah, there's a there's a special bond there. Um, although we can we can fall out the times, no <laughs> no doubt. I think you know, overall, you know, you you'll you'll shake hands, put your arms around each other, and then uh, and then move on. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, no, I love that, uh, mate. Honestly, I can't thank you enough for coming on and the in-depth insight of what the England future's got, but also your own coaching career and how you you, you have adapted and overcome in your own career is is inspiring for a lot of people. No, pleasure. Now, thank you again, Tux, right? Uh, This has been the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard. Uh, I need to say a massive shout out to Mito Red Light and also Forged Irish Stout for sponsoring the pod. They really do help us grow behind the scenes. Uh, I hope you've liked the show, you've enjoyed the show and uh, please make sure you subscribe. See you later, guys. Thanks a lot. What a save from Mark Howard. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.